Hello people, welcome back to the Happy Plug Podcast and I'm your host Megan O'Reilly. Today I'm here to share with you a personal experience, an experience of healing. I want to tell you guys how Compassion Focused Therapy or CFT for short changed my life and allowed me to heal. Firstly I want to apologise for not uploading more podcasts Anytime I go through a couple of rough months, I tend to always take a step back from the podcast just so I can give my myself more time to get better and to feel myself again. Because when I'm that low, when I reach the depths of despair, like a lot of people, it's a very isolating place. And no matter how much people tell us that you're never alone or you're there's people always there for you, it's still an isolating place and we still feel lonely. Um, and I always seem to lose myself any time that I go down the road of darkness. I lose my way along the road to recovery, but I can always make a U-turn when I have when I have the energy to do that, and that will lead me back to the, back to the right journey or back on the right road. So, for those of you who don't know what Compassion Focus Therapy is, the name really gives it away. It's a form of therapy that teaches us how to become more compassionate towards ourselves and others. And it was Paul Gilbert, he's named the guy who developed, who developed CFT in the early 21st century. And the aim of CFT is to bring our basic emotion regulation systems into balance and what these systems are, are one, our threat system, two, our drive system, and three, our soothing system. I won't go into too much detail, but basically the threat system is responsible for feelings of stress, anxiety, self-criticism. The threat system is the most powerful protective mechanism. It's associated with the fight or flight response, and usually the threat system is always on, and it's scanning everything and everyone, and everything every situation the drive system is an is it's a motivational system um and that it drives us towards the things you want or believe we need in order to grow or succeed and the drive looks like the quest for more money things like achievement competitiveness our sta- our status in the world our social rank basically the drive system is about achievement and success. Getting the things done, doing more, earning more, being more, 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 more. Just more of all this successful and, and successful things and achieving things. It's all about having more of that stuff. The drive system alerts us to opportunities for, for pursuing goals too. And just like the trust system, it cannot, it can be, the drive system can be very, can be very powerfully motivating and can limit our attention to focus on whatever we are actually pursuing but this can become tricky and I'll explain that now the drive system is highly influenced by the brain chemical dopamine I know I know a lot of people notice as the reward chemical and we experience a load of dopamine whenever we achieve something like we set out to achieve so if we set out to get an A in the exam and we achieve it, we're gonna our dopamine levels are gonna be sky high. But in other words, we drive the drive system is being 
is being used whenever we develop powerful cravings. And as I said, this is tricky and dangerous because the drive system can lead to addictive and compulsive behaviors like chasing, chasing like crazy dreams and, um, or like the high that's usually associated with drugs or compulsive behaviors people engage in in order to avoid their anxiety. It can lead to stress, it can lead to perfectionism, it can lead to burnout, and unfortunately it can actually lead to depression and, and often hopelessness and feeling suicidal. And then we have the soothing system, which, com which is completely different to the threat and drive system. The soothing system is associated with peaceful states, feelings of being safe, calm, peaceful, um, just gen generally um, content and happy. And usually the soothing system operates naturally when there are no threats to defend against and no goals that we have to achieve or pursue. Um, the system, the, the soothing system, taps into the feel-good neurochemicals like, um, what's it called again? Um, oh yeah, oxytocin, endorphins and opioids. And the soothing system allows us to soothe ourselves and also to soothe others. It's linked with experiences of giving and receiving infection, receiving care from others. It's also associated with kindness, warmth, encouragement and support. And basically the soothing system makes us feel safe and calm. But here's the really frustrating and disappointing thing in my view. For so many people, the soothing system is both misunderstood and underutilized. Or else it's completely blocked as well. And this is true for those who have difficult family upbringings or with a history of complex trauma. It's the painful emotions or childhood experiences like shame, rejection, bullying, parental neglect that can unfortunately trigger a sense of threat or feelings of being unsafe. And I know for me, it took me so, so long to finally tap into my student system. My drive system was low and my trust system was absolutely massive. So to sum it up, um, an imbalance in these three systems can lead to mental health problems. And those who don't use their student system can, can also experience intense amounts of shame and self-criticism, which triggers a massive amount of cortisol and stress hormones. And this, for example, can result in hostility, suspicion or defensiveness, which ultimately can interfere with, with their relationships with both themselves and with other people, with other friends and family members. Luckily, being able to tap into the student system involves a set of skills, and thankfully, those skills can be learned, and it's also backed up by scientific research. Paul Gilbert uses the phrase, it's not your fault. He uses that an awful lot. And just think about it. Think about those words. It's not your fault. And I suppose what that means is that it's not very helpful when we blame and shame or attack ourselves for things that happen to us in our life that were caused by others. 
or that really weren't our fault at all or things that we didn't choose. And it's important to know that it's not just the self-criticism, but it's also the emotion that comes with it. And so when we stop shaming ourselves or shaming others too, then it allows us to take a step back and take responsibility for our own struggles we're having. And then let's take another look at it and say to ourselves, well, what, well, what will be helpful? What will ease my pain? And realistically, the only solution to our struggles and pain is to be compassionate and kind to ourselves. So it brings, brings me to the point where I can say, I can safely say that we all self-criticize. We all bully ourselves, whether lightly or severely. We all do it. For me, growing up, and up until only recently, and I still do it sometimes, I still attack myself and blame myself for things that happened in my past, even though it was completely not my fault. I still tell myself that no one loves you, but not as much as I used to do. I used to tell myself all the time that I would never amount to anything, that I was not special, that everyone hated me, that I was a loser, that no one cared about me that I messed things up, that I was stupid. And it's important to to find out why you attack yourself or why you blame yourself or why you bully yourself. Mine was that nobody could hurt me as much as I could hurt myself. So I was getting there before anybody else was going to hurt me again because the pain was so, so painful. The pain was so, so severe. That if, I, that if someone was to hurt me again, I'd probably crack. So if I was to do it, if I was to prepare myself for those for that abuse or for those words or for that pain, I could tolerate it because I was hurting myself first before anybody else would. So how we speak to ourselves is so, so important. And sometimes we're not aware how badly we are talking to ourselves. When we are aware, we have to ask ourselves, is this helpful? Is calling myself a dope or a stupid or an idiot helpful? Where would that get me? Rather than saying you're a dope or saying that you're stupid, that you don't deserve happiness, say to yourself, okay, Megan, Megan, you made a mistake. That's okay. You're only human. Or yes, Megan, you got that wrong. Let's see what we can do next time around to make it right. So once you have that awareness, you can choose whether to go with the negative things you're saying or go with the positive things you're saying. You have that choice. And and ask yourself, what do you think I will achieve by bullying myself this way? If you're still unsure which way to go, ask yourself, what do I hope to achieve by bullying myself this way? If I could think of a different way of achieving goals without attacking myself, would I use it? And if yes, then that's when when compassion steps in. That's when we start to learn about compassion-focused therapy. That's when we start to be kind to ourselves, when we start to love ourselves for who we are. We start to accept ourselves for who we are, for our mistakes, for our flaws, for with our abuse, with our trauma, with our scars. We treat it in a compassionate way.
And we have to realise that we say these things to protect ourselves. So why was saying all these horrible things to me? Because I wanted to protect myself. And people take up these negative coping strategies, whether it's physically harming themselves, whether it's mentally torturing, torturing themselves, to protect themselves or to keep them alive. And that's where the therapist and CFT comes in. So I'm going to tell you some exercises that you can do to be more compassionate towards yourself. And then obviously once you become more compassionate towards yourself, towards your, yourself, you may have the ability to be more compassionate to others or to other people who have hurt you. Um, and sometimes there's, it works the opposite way around. For example, myself. I can be extremely compassionate to other people, but I absolutely fail at being compassionate to myself. It's just a no-go. I just can't do it. I just, my student system is just completely non-existent. So the first exercise I'm going to tell you about is called soothing rhythm breathing. Soothing rhythm breathing. And I was first introduced to this by... Two clinical psychologists, um, one who was my psychologist at the time, and the other one who was a clinical psychologist in the matter. And they basically started off with this, um, this exercise to try get us to be more compassionate to ourselves just a little bit before we delved into anything else that was more severe. So to practice soothing rhythm breathing exercise, first make sure that you're sitting comfortable with both feet flat on the floor, about shoulders width apart, rest your hands on top of your legs and just close your eyes or look down the floor. Let yourself have a gentle facial expression like a little smile. Then start focusing on your breathing. Allow the air of each breath to come down into your diaphragm and feel it move in and out as you breathe, you can play around with your breath until you find it find a more comfortable, soothing rhythm of breathing. Try not to panic. Try not to to do a, a designated style of breathing. You breathe the way you feel comfortable breathing. Just continue focusing on your breathing through your nose and in your peaceful rhythm. Turn your attention to your body. Sensing the weight of your body resting on the chair and the floor underneath you. Let yourself feel held and supported by the chair. And remember that it's okay for your mind to wander. Just notice where it wanders and gently guide it back to the awareness of your body. Feel the air flowing in and out of your nostrils and simply allow yourself to be. If you find yourself stuck on noticing your breathing, let yourself focus on an object instead. So you can hold a little stone in your hand. You can fiddle with your rings. You can hold your watch in your hand. Um, or you can focus focus on something in the room, like like a ornament or a clock. And then if you are holding something, just note the way it feels in your hands, the texture of it, the weight of it, little things like that. 
And when you're ready, slowly open your eyes and bring yourself back to the present moment. Have a small little stretch, a deep breath, and you're ready then for the rest of the day. So this one I find really, really good. It just allows you to stop and pause for a couple of minutes in the day, even if it's two minutes, two or three minutes in the day, just to have that little time to breathe, relax, remind yourself that you're only human in this big, big world. There's only so much you can do. And one of the things you have to do or must do is to be compassionate to yourself and look after yourself. So the next exercise that you can do is called compassionate letter writing. And this is an exercise of all the exercises that we learned. This is the one that really struck a chord with me. That really made me cry and that really made me open my soul to compassion. And it's important that when you're writing writing this letter, letter to yourself, to really believe it and to really be kind to yourself and to really read it in your head with a gentle voice, with a compassionate voice, with a loving tone. And I'm going to give you an example here of, the, of a letter that I wrote a couple of months ago. And when I wrote this letter, I didn't think it was going to have that much of an effect on me until I looked in the mirror and read it out to myself, read it out loud. And when I heard the words, the tears just came pouring out. And I just felt sorry for little Megan. I felt sorry for Megan. I felt like I just wanted to cuddle Megan up and tell her that everything was going to, was going to be okay. And that's the power of the letter writing. So here's my letter. Dear Megan, I'm so, so sorry you went through all that trauma. I know you're in so much pain right now. I can see it in your eyes. I can hear it in your voice and see it in your demeanor. I want you to know that it's okay to cry. Don't beat yourself up. Put the blade down. It's not your fault. What happened to you was awful, but it wasn't you to blame. I want you to love your wounds like the way you love the moon. I want you to give yourself a pat on the back when things go wrong and tell yourself that mistakes happen. You're only human. I want you to cherish yourself like the way you cherish the small good times you had. And although you can't forget the bad memories, you can remind yourself that you survived and came out stronger, kinder, and more independent. I want you to love. I want you to love life again. I can't promise you that you won't be hurt again, but I can tell you that you have the skills to get through your darkest days. You are not a loser. You are not a burden. You are not attention seeking. You are hurt, and to crave connection and not attention is okay. You will be okay. Love yourself, treat yourself like the way you've treated someone you loved. Be kinder to your mind, it's under a lot of stress. Watch your words and love your broken heart. So that's the letter that I wrote to myself a couple of months ago. 
Let me know what your thoughts are on that letter. Let me know if you thought it was compassionate, if you thought it was crazy, if you thought it was cheesy. I just want to know your opinion. But at the end of the day, it's what connected with me. Those words connected with me. Those words made me open up myself to compassion. So, that's two exercises that you can do to become more compassionate towards yourself and compassionate towards others. Um, I want to just finish up this podcast, this episode on the podcast by just asking you one simple question. And that question is, if you could have a conversation with your 7, 10, 14-year-old self, what would you say to her or him? What way would you speak to her or him? And I think I'm going to put emphasis again on it's so important how we speak to ourselves. It's so important to catch our thoughts. Because our thoughts just aren't the thoughts. Our thoughts are thoughts plus the emotion attached to that thought. So, the way we watch the stars come out and go back in, we let them come and we let them go. And that's where we need to make it the same way for our thoughts. We let them come and we let them go. You have to realize that you're not that you're not your thoughts that come in and out of your head. They are only thoughts, not facts. You are not a prisoner of your own thoughts. You have the ability to control what you're thinking. You can stop yourself. You can control your thoughts by using the word stop. S stands for stop. T stands for Take three deep breaths and smile. O stands for observe the sensations in your body. And P stands for proceed now with kindness and compassion. Or you can simply ask yourself, what's the opposite to this thought? So if you're thinking of pain, the opposite to pain is comfort. If you're thinking of sadness, the opposite to sadness is happiness. Recognizing that you can control your thoughts. You are the observer of your own thoughts. You are not the thoughts. People are driven driven by their thoughts, but you always have a choice. If you want to change yourself, you have to reach reach if you have to reach a goal. It's difficult. Living is difficult. Life is difficult. You have to work on yourself. You have to keep working and working and working on yourself every single day. You have to engage in an ongoing process to develop you. Spend more time in yourself. You deserve that time. You deserve that because you are creating yourself. You are the storyteller of your own self. You are the star of the show. Overcoming that inner critic in your mind, you have to talk kindly to yourself. You have to be compassionate to yourself. You're doing the best you can. 
You have to stand up inside yourself every single day. You have to focus on you. And that starts with compassion. Okay, guys. And girls and lads and lassies and human beings and soul searchers. <laughs> thank you so, so much. If you've listened to so far, this far and so far. Thank you so, so much. Honest to good God. It means so, so much to me. And what I really want is that you can take something from this podcast. And if you can't, that's okay. You will get there. There will be times where your brain is just blocking you at anything that makes you feel good or anything that anything that can make you feel better. And that's completely okay. But you will get there. So for now, I just want to say, be kind to your mind. Look after yourself. Love yourself. And thank you again for listening. You can catch me on Instagram or Twitter. It's Mission Megan on Instagram and I am Megan on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Over and out.